Welcome to Southpaws, episode 552, I think? Maybe? I'm not sure. I could I could look on the Patreon, but I haven't yet. Anyways, hey, we're here. It's Fuzz <laughs> and Saverin, and we're recording over Discord today because it has been a while of just swapping illness around here. Shiva's house has been trading colds. You're doing okay, thankfully, but I... I had, had a cold like a week ago, but I think it, I don't know whether it was allergies or whether it was a cold. It felt pretty bad at the time, but I'm like, you know, it rained uh, like a week or two back and then the temperature was up and down. So it might yeah. have just been my system being I, fucky. Like yesterday I was sneezing my head off and Panther actually was like, take a Benadryl, go to bed. Because I was just that miserable. Right. But I did a COVID test, one COVID, because... That was a worry because my parents are currently dealing with COVID, which is just yeah. fucking awful. Thankfully, they're doing okay because we can go right into a topic. The uh, yeah. federal government has a deal now where you can access Paxlovid for free. They called in the positive test to their doctor and their doctor's like, holy shit, this, this can't stand. Paxlovid, Paxlovid, Paxlovid. Unfortunately, the label price for that's $1,400 fucking dollars. That's a lot of money, especially yeah. for my parents. And their insurance would give them – it would be only $700. But the pharmacist at the Target found it and was like, actually, here's how I can do it to you for free. It's That's really good because like that article says like a lot of pharmacists don't know about this program. They've had trouble like getting the word out to everybody. So, you know, well, I'll put a link in the show notes to the article because this is – actually really important but it's good to, for your parents the, the pharmacists do about it yeah it's called paxess p-a-x-c-e-s-s you go to paxlovid.iassist.com and there's a phone number um i'll link all this in the show notes and on the patreon post and whatnot because yeah like paxlovid is very helpful it still works to help le- lessen the symptoms of covid because it's still a fucking thing i, yep. I thought it was impressive like i've you know, I've been real diligent about masking and stuff at conventions, and I made it through HarmonyCon just fine. And that's like this massive long streak, and even my parents did okay. But then, like, somehow, I don't know where they caught it, both. And I saw them, like, the day before my mom came positive, but I didn't catch it. So mm-hmm. I clearly have a... I'm not going to say anything because I just fucking curse myself, but I'm doing good. <laughs> you know, I'm taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the fact that there's access to low-cost or free Paxlovid when, like, practically every other health thing that the government had done has just been ended. Like, I went to Target yesterday to buy some COVID tests because I'd used the last one just to be sure. And I walked up to the, to the the counter and asked. And before I even finished the sentence of asking if insurances were still covering tests, just the pharmacist was like, nope. I was like, okay, where are they? And it's around the corner. And so I bought a five pack of tests for 35 bucks i haven't checked recently but i know i got some free ones not long ago from the postal service yeah like the government had stopped it for a while and then they had started it again under the postal service so i should double check i don't know if that's still a thing or not yeah the ones i had were fairly old tests and i wanted to be sure i want to get tests that were manufactured in the last little bit just in case right right? because like you do the test and it's like but this is an old test. It could be wrong. It's that paranoia, mm. that personal health paranoia, right? Yeah, especially if you're if you're currently sick. Yeah, you know, then it leads you to believe that uh, maybe this isn't accurate. Yeah, and let me tell you, that shit knocked me out. I was slept for ten hours, did not move, and I woke up and was hungover as hell. I'm one of those people that oh, Benadryl, the Benadryl, the Benadryl just right. knocks me the fuck out. And then I feel groggy for like 12 hours afterwards. But yeah, whatever. I, I slept and I didn't sneeze myself in half during my sleep. In other cool news, vaccine related, they have uh, come up with a Ebola vaccine, which is oh, no, just honestly fucking amazing. Like we're coming up on possibly having a malaria vaccine, which is amazing and kills millions of people and has killed yeah. millions and millions and millions of people. But now they're working on a Ebola vaccine that... I mean, it cuts the death rate in half, even if it's given after the infection, which, I mean, considering that the death rates are significantly higher 
on that, you know, with the whole bleeding out of every orifice problem with Ebola. Right. The fact that it can save your ass even if you've been infected is amazing. <laughs> it's like when you see a person who has Ebola, you don't need to be told this is a severe problem, says Oyewale Tamori, a retired virologist from Redeemers University of Nigeria. That's That's incredible that it works even when you're um if you already got it as well. I mean, it's still a very, very lethal disease. Like among the unvaccinated, mortality was fifty six percent. But those who'd received the vaccine, that rate was cut in half. And this was true no matter when someone got vaccinated before the onset of symptoms, whether just a couple days, which was 27.3% risk, or more than three weeks, 175 fatality risk. In addition, those who'd been vaccinated had less virus circulating in their bodies than those who hadn't. So that's, that's just flat out fucking fantastic, you know? Because, God, I remember, what, 2017 or so, there was like two cases showed up like somebody had flown west from africa to and came to dallas and was in one of the medical centers like i think smu up off of 75 right and i remember Mm -hmm. back then like people were freaking the fuck out because this coincided it was like right around the time of nightmare nights and people were like yeah oh should i should i cancel my trip there's a there's an ebola patient in dallas and we had to be like look (laughs) the hospital's like 20 miles away from us and they're in an isolation yeah. ward. If you don't want to come, and they're here because we'll it's you. one of like, yeah, it's like one of the premier hospitals in the world for infectious diseases. So that's why they brought them here. Yeah, and it's like it's just you know, those... they're in isolation. Uh, so real quick, if you go to COVID.gov, you can still order um, up to four free tests per month. Oh, good. Because guess what this bitch is gonna do? <laughs> it's still available and fantastic. And it yeah. has, like, this is an official website of the United States government. So, good. Yeah, good whatever it's a .gov, it's, uh, it's a legit thing. Good news on the Paxlovid front. Great news on the Ebola front. And even better news with the malaria. Those those are really yeah. great positive news things. Yeah, um, hopefully they can get, like, a good uh, worldwide rollout. Cause like, yeah, we don't see a lot of malaria and Ebola in, in this country, in this part of the world, but like, it's, it's a real big fucking deal in other parts of the world. And if they can kind of stamp that out, that'd be awesome. Another cool thing. The slightly furry tap room has opened. In, yes. Uh, yeah. Seattle. I just saw that tonight. A new tap room for furries opens in Seattle. This is written by Vivian McCall for the stranger. And it's a, furry owned drinking spot i guess like it's a tap room yeah it's the only queer openly furry cidery in the u.s and maybe the world buck actually went up there and was sharing photos with us of various drinks that we can probably share on the patreon post just to be like hey this is what their drinks look like like there's a flaming skull the begging for a pegging it's a drink served in a skull-shaped glass that is lit on fire which i mean hell yeah that looks fun yeah because there have been other like vulpine tap room i think it was there's was in colorado maybe there's there's been a Mm -hmm. couple of like other themed ones but this is the cidery one so you can get yourself some ciders at this one and i don't know if the other one is an actual like open a publicly open like place you can go you know because before they they had the this open they would like they were kind of hosted by other cideries um and they were basically distributing and they're like you can go to such and such place and get the slightly furry drink you know and i'm not sure if maybe that's what Volpine tap room is doing but this i believe this is the first one is actually like it's like a real brick and mortar location that you can actually go to yeah um, and that's super and, cool what I was saying in the uh, in our Fur Planet chat earlier is that I'm going to be applying for a dealer spot at Worldcon 2025 because uh, next year's Worldcon is in Seattle, and we've been dealers in Seattle before back when we used to do rainforest, and it's like it's a real nice town. Most of our people enjoyed it, and I was like, we should make a side quest to the Volpine Tap Room while we're not um, that's known as slightly furry tap room. While we're up there, because we're going to be vending, because we've got all of our uh, lightly less furry titles under the Argyle imprint, but I figure some of our authors might be up there and all. So that should be a good time. Yeah, like, I'm reading the article, and it looks really great. 
some good news, right? Like, I would definitely yeah. want to go visit that if I had the opportunity to go up to Seattle. I'm hopefully going to be able to go up to Canada this fall and visit my sister, but that mm-hmm. would probably preclude a trip going down to Seattle. Either way, that's really cool. Like, I, I would love an excuse to go back up that way. It's been a very long time, 20 years since then. And, yeah. you know, it's fucking gorgeous up there. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's a nice part of the country. I'm just kind of like, yo, give me the coast. Give me the mountains. Give me the high desert. Give me the, you know, start tropical rainforest just anywhere that the f- other than the flatness of Texas. Right. Give, give me the legal weed and the queer rights. That, and that, the, this is somewhat safe to be compared to where we are. Yeah, that's true too. So, in the Schadenfreude level, Schadenfreude field today, we finally got a uh, big judgment against the Trump org, which is uh, mm-hmm. kind of interesting because. You know, this is stuff that's been going on since, like, 2019, apparently. Yeah. And it finally reached its conclusion in 2020-fucking-four. But because it's reached that conclusion, and there's now all the interest starts coming due on these judgments. Yes. So, like, in 2019, he got judged against for 168 million bucks. And then... 2021 it was like 126 million almost 127 and then last year for 60 but with the various accrual of its basic interest you know it's not compound still five Mm -hmm. years on that 168 million is now 243 million so 458 million dollars for him on that side and then another what 84 for gene carroll so he's looking at over half yeah, a and billion the, the dollars. The funny thing, the, the Gene Carroll situation was the original judgment was much, much lower. It was like $7.5 or something. But because he immediately turned around and started defaming her again, that's what got it back into court. And then the, the revised judgment was, what, like 85 or close to 85? Some... And people were like, wow, he he negotiated that deal from $7.5 million to 85 He really is the art of the deal. And I'm learning all kinds of things today about how these things work in New York State. Apparently, for this right. type of civil judgment to appeal it, you have to put up a bond of the entire judgment plus interest plus 20%. So, yeah, 120. So you actually have cash in hand. Yeah, you, of a good amount of money. Same deal with the Gene Carroll defamation thing. If mm-hmm. he he can't appeal it until he puts the entire bond value plus that twenty percent up and handed it over to the state before they can appeal it and like. You know, maybe, you know, you'll get a second chance, but highly unlikely. But you have to show that you have the money in hand. So. Liquidizing half a billion dollars worth of cash to make it liquid enough. And with all the various restrictions of this thing, like he can't do business in the state. He can't do business with any banks that operate in New York, which is most of them because of, you know, Wall Street. And right. Yeah. And they didn't do the corporate death penalty to him. They only suspended that ruling. Because he just put in place the corporate overseer that has been in place already for the next three years. But if she's like, oh, yeah, these guys are fucking around again trying to launder money, he can just be like, all right, snap, you're done. So that's exciting. Like a little bit of comeuppance, a little bit more cortisol in his veins, maybe a little bit more blood pressure to pop a vein in his head. You know, there's these people that are like, oh, you know, let's this... Let's wait to see why the media is going to put out articles saying this is bad for Biden somehow. And people were like, look, you know, one day Donald Trump is going to fucking die. And there's going to be op-eds about how this is bad news for the Democrats. Like, right. you know, take the fucking W for once. They'll be like, it's better the enemy you know. And now that Trump is dead, who knows who the Republicans will nominate, Yeah. You know? The literal um, devil. In the time we've recorded, I mean, there, since, I don't know, it happened prior to a couple episodes ago, but, you know, uh, DeSantis bounced out, made an embarrassment of himself. You have right. all the other people in that little scene who people aren't going to support, because you have, like, Nikki Haley, who's both a woman and foreign, 
So she's not going to have any support. You have Vimak Ramaswamy, who is insane, but also brown and Hindu, which isn't going to fly. Like in Iowa, when that guy was there talking to people about the voters, they're like, well, I still remember 9-11. And it's like, dude's Indian, like by heritage. But they were just like, no, no, he's brown. Therefore, 9-11. It's like that's Holy there's, shit, a, there's a big difference between those two geographic locales, but you know, I mean, the, these are people I, in Iowa, you know, the the common soil Jesus. of the New West, you know, and also like morons. even if he had been like Afghanistani stock and was a Muslim or something, it, it, it still wouldn't like it shouldn't delegitimize his ability to like run for a political office, but goddamn, I mean. For that party, I guess they would immediately jump on that. Yeah, so and the- yeah, like basically no one is. I, I mean, it's pretty obvious Trump's going to be the nominee, but like the only one with like a real shot right now is Bill Haley. But going to be like a distant second. The big thing with her is that the the next GOP primary is in the state where she was the governor, and. You know, people are like, oh, you know, people liked her when she was the governor. And then other pundits have pointed out, uh, South Carolina, some politics have changed a lot because she was the governor like eight years ago or something like that. Ten years ago, something like that. And like, you know, it has gotten significantly more rightward leaning. So if they were willing to vote for her, then they, they might be less willing now. You know, I don't think she has a shot. Oh, no, she doesn't. She's openly attacking him on losing, on being a fraudster and all this other shit. So she's trying to position herself as the quote-unquote sane Republican, whereas, you know, it's basically just her and Trump at this point because everybody else is bowed out. Not like there was a big spread in the base. The base doesn't want a sane Republican. They want Trump. And it's, I guess I'm a little surprised by that. The, The GOP as a party has just been completely unable or unwilling to decouple themselves from MAGA Trumpism, but that's where they're at now. Oh, another um, Republican congressman announced today that uh, he wasn't going to stand for reelect because he was going to run for governor, but like the governorship in his state doesn't come up for like years. Hmm. So the, the reporter was like, yeah, it's pretty clear that he's just trying to jump out and not be, you know, tarnished with the the same brush the rest of the GOP is going to get, you know, if he stays in Congress for the next two or four years, it's only going to get worse for him. Uh, yeah. And apparently the, um, the special election in New York for George Santos, they see, uh, was supposed to be very close, like a real nail biter. And it turns out that it wasn't like nope. the, the Democrat was running one fairly easily so, like, what started out as a slim, we need everybody on board or we're not going to pass anything majority, has been tipped away gradually. Uh, like, several Republicans that were in Congress are no longer in Congress, just since this Congress was seated. So, you know, there no, not a lot of laws are going to get passed. Uh, <laughs> In the, in the near future, uh, the Senate just passed a big bill that was bipartisan. It was like 70 something vote for it. Uh, it's going to die immediately in the House. Oh, yeah, because uh, they're just like, way. fuck it. We're not going to do anything. And apparently they made them when Trump was like, no, you guys need to sink the border bill. This draconian bullshit they were going to try to pass. They'd come to a compromise, and then Trump was like, no, actually, we can't let them have a win. So they tank it, and now everyone including biden is like the, the republicans killed their own bill because they're fucking stupid and can't govern yeah and but they're gonna go on the air and they're they're gonna be like oh the democrats want this problem and you know they haven't done anything about the border and it's like well, you know we tried to pass the bill and like you guys killed it so and like all this and shit- they're trying they're trying again to um not subpoena impeach the the sec- secretary that the Homeland Security guy, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Mayorkas. Which is yeah, and I, so stupid. Yeah, it's just, it's like, that's the problem with, with impeachments, is it's like, 
sometimes they can be legitimate when the person is actually doing like real crimes and shit. And sometimes it's very obviously just a political stunt, just to waste time and tie things up. And that's absolutely what this is. Well, this goes back to Trump being impeached twice for actual crimes and you know, Senate failing to do anything about it. He's trying to make it so that impeachment is just this thing that happens and not like this earth shattering event. And like the whole deal with them trying to impeach Biden. Well, the guy that gave them the news about, Oh, you know, Burisma and all that turned out he was lying completely. And to the point he has been charged with lying to the FBI, which, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of sinks the whole thing. I mean, they're still going to probably try, but like these jokers have flailed and waved their dicks around and been obsessed with hunter biden's hog for years now the entirety of biden's uh presidency and the guy that was feeding all this shit about getting bribes and stuff is no he's just a liar who made it up and he's facing charges now and you know they're they're gonna cry and scream and all this other shit because you know we live in separate realities at this point right Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you you have these people that think that all the cities have burned down, that the border is being overrun and, you know, people are getting eaten in the street by hordes of raving Mexicans when it's basically Fury Road down there. Yeah. And then you actually had the people go down there, those idiots, you know, they were like, we're going to have 700,000 people and only like 50 showed up. They get down there and they're like, oh, my God, did oh, they really say 700,000 people. Yeah, they were they were like, this is going to be a movement of the patriots and we're going to go and take the border and guard it with guns to prevent them brown people from crossing the border and all sort of shit, right? And mm-hmm. then they get down there and there's reporting where like, they get down there and there's immediate infighting and people are like, oh, I feel like an idiot. I drove from Chicago and there's nothing going on here. And like mm-hmm. people who are not white who were the some of the MAGA idiots who were down there were complaining because they got pulled over by the racist sheriffs down there because they oh were driving God. back. And they were like, you're brown while driving. And they were like, how dare they? I'm a red-blooded American. It's like, nah, motherfucker, this is what you wanted. This is the bullshit you support, and you don't like it when you get to taste your own medicine. On a Saturday, um, they were interviewing some residents of Eagle Pass where this is happening, and they were like, look, we feel way less safe now with all of these armed, loud MAGA people pouring into town. Um, we didn't feel unsafe, you know, in the, with the migrant situation. Like, but we do now that all these armed racists are here. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's like, this is not good for anybody. Like, fuck off. Yeah, you know, they, they, it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy because, you know, they're like, oh, the border is unsafe. I better bring my guns. And now these weird outsiders are freaking out the locals with their guns. It's so stupid because it's making people yeah. on the border have to deal with this bullshit. It's like that shit with the butterfly sanctuary, like during Trump's right, reign yeah. where he was like, oh, we're going to build this wall and it's going to destroy this butterfly sanctuary. And all this fighting back and forth and you had these armed yahoos showing up threatening the people that worked at this butterfly crossing and causing them to be unsafe. They're like, we've never been threatened by any cartels or anybody crossing the border, but you guys are coming here and Mm -hmm. screwing with us. What the hell? Right? Yeah. Pretty clear who the bad guys are in this situation. And it's not people, you know, fleeing their home country, wanting a better life. The whole nonsense is such bullshit and it's, it, again, it's it's perception, right? If you go on these rage merchant websites, they're telling you that you know these slavering hordes of people are rushing across the border. You know, everybody's a military age male, which I mean, that's anybody from age sixteen to sixty, really. There's like, ooh, be afraid of the brown man, ooh, and you know, I, I think it's fairly statistical thing that like people who are here in the country undocumented are not the ones committing crimes. <laughs> They're here to try to make the life better for themselves, not to come across the border and do crime. You know, it's it's ridiculous. So yeah, the vast majority of them are keeping their heads down and just trying to have a better life for their their family. Like, I mean, they're the ones doing the. For a nation of immigrants, we're we're pretty fucking intolerant of immigration, and it's uh, it's super fucked. Yeah, 
it's just been one of those things where our governor is an idiot. Well, actually, every single person in our state government at the high level is a ghoul who doesn't deserve oxygen. Mm-hmm. Like, you had fucking yeah. Paxton going today. He was trying to get his charges dismissed, the ones he's delayed for 10 years, because he's and trying... And they were like, no. <laughs> and his reasoning was that, well, I haven't had a speedy trial, because he's the one delaying it. Like, I've delayed uh-huh. it for so many times, like, this, I didn't get a speedy trial. You should, you, should, you know, let me go. It's like, that's not how this fucking works, you... The photo that the article that I saw used was not flattering in the least. Like, his eyes are kind of going two different directions, it looks like. I'll, I'll forward you the photo, Fuzz, because it's, okay. it's pretty uh, pretty bad. Like, I was like, well, does he have a lazy eye? Did he have a stroke? Did he have a glass eye? I don't know. But it's just very unflattering. This is just what a conservative looks like, trying to think of bullshit. Yeah. Or when their bullshit runs into the brick wall of reality, and they're like, what? So, you know, fuck Texas. What can I say? The one thing that we've been hoping and waiting for is that I don't think the FDA has gotten around to publishing their rescheduling of weed. Because that was something that's Mm -hmm. been like, oh, it's coming soon, it's coming soon. And they were, it's been like three weeks since we last recorded for various reasons and mm-hmm. like hey nothing yet damn it you're right because that would have been some other good news it's like hey by the way it's like the day that donald trump gets fucked for half a billion dollars we're also legalizing weed or something like that wouldn't that be oh, nice dude, that would have been amazing maga couldn't catch us because all the liberals would be floating in the air like high as balls <laughs> The only person above the law is me, because I'm so fucking high. I floated above the law. So, do you want to talk about, um, you may be, you're, I think you're a little in the know about this, because you see the articles going around, but the uh, Hugo Awards, massive clusterfuck. Yeah, so... As somebody who's vaguely connected to the uh, writing community, I mean, vaguely, I might fucking work with you, right? But you know what I mean? I'm not a writer per se, but I hang out with a bunch of writers. So this is very obviously in right. our wheelhouse. I saw that yeah. article go up and I was like, oh shit, dropped it into the Roar chat and shared it elsewhere. But yeah, what is your take on this? <laughs> so, like, it's, it, it, it was fu- funny. Well, not funny. It really sucks for her, but what's particularly relevant to me is that the best novel winner is an author we publish, uh, Ursula Vernon. And she's been tweet, um, posting about this on Blue Sky. It's sort of like, yeah, none of the people that got nominated or won in the best novel category should have been in category. Like, it looks like they kicked off the names of all the Chinese nominees because they were worried that there could be an issue. Yeah. So, um, what the there's a lot of things we don't know but what we do know at least is that so there's the hugo organizing committee which is separate from the con committee and the person in charge of it started an email chain that was just him and the other western countries members of the organization so the people in the united states and canada and he was supposed to be liaising with the Chinese people who were on the committee also, but they were left off this particular email chain. And it was basically like, okay, we have to look at everything that's nominated, all the people that are nominated and the work, and be like, is there anything here that could potentially be an issue with the Chinese government? Because the Chinese Communist Party is, you know, known to censorship you know if your story is about tibet or taiwan or is queer you know maybe that would be a problem but rather than like run all this by the people in china that were on the committee or just saying fuck it we're not going to censor here's the works that got the most votes they proactively decided to eliminate certain works and people from the list of nominees. And this is unfortunately, it's very much a white people going to white people kind of situation. Cause like all these Chinese works and authors were, were nominated. Um, 
And, and you know, one, one of them had a real fucking shot at winning best novel. We will never know because it wasn't on the on the list that people could vote on. But just, oh God, I mean, I don't, I barely know where to start. So basically, just the white people on the on, on the list were like, we just basically marked all these works as ineligible. And then there was other just like it, it, really baffling decisions. There, so there was an episode of Sandman that was nominated. And also Sandman as a series was nominated. And there's a rule that if the, an episode of a series can't be nominated, if the overall series is nominated. So, okay, that's legitimate. So that would mean, you know, you can feel how you want about it, but that's in the rules. Um, and it could be like, okay, so this individual episode is nominated, but the TV series could still maintain this nomination. So they kicked out the episode for that rule, but then they kicked out the TV series as well. And they're like, there wasn't anything about China in it. Neil Gaiman's not on any more of an issue than anybody else when it comes to U.S.-Chinese relations. Yeah. Um, and they, they think that in that case, like, oh, they just set it to one side and forgot about it. It's the most likely explanation. And what really sucks is that more has come out um, there's been a guy that's been talking to the Chinese fans and their general feeling of, on it is that the government just wanted this to go smoothly. They wanted a nice thing and to not be embarrassed because apparently like $1.3 billion of business deals were made in China at the convention itself. And in the facility that it was held in, it's like a brand new facility that they built that they were very proud of, the Science Fiction Museum. So the government was like, this con being here is a positive thing economically and, you know, public relations wise. They apparently, it doesn't look like they had their fingers in anything relating, officially anything relating to censoring any of the work. They just wanted it to go off and be like a, a, a good thing. And now, because of the actions of the white people on the committee, it has become a huge embarrassment. The 2023 Hugo Awards are tarnished. Everything that was, that was nominated and won was Hugo worthy. But we'll never know, like, if the winners and nominees were really going to be the winners and nominees because there's so many people left off of the final list. So, you know, and some of the winners are like, yeah, there's an asterisk next to my win because, like, who the fuck knows what would have happened if this had just gone forward without meddling. And apparently, this has become dangerous for the Chinese uh, science fiction fans and the science fiction fandom community there because now exactly what we didn't want to happen and they didn't want to happen has happened. Now the government is looking at their community askance because now the government has been publicly embarrassed, which was exactly the thing they didn't want to happen. Some Chinese sci-fi fans are now worried that the government is going to fucking crack down on their community. And the, the one of the works in particular, the one that really had a shot of winning, it's called Babel. I haven't, it's either Babel or Babel. I haven't read it. I was, had not been aware of it before this came out. They took it off the list because the author is Chinese or Chinese American. And they were like, we don't know if there's any negative stuff about China in this story. The fucking wild thing is that this book was published in China by a Chinese publishing company and then translated and published in America. So this story, if the government had wanted to step in and stop it. It never would have been published in its home language in the first place. Like, and I don't like, I didn't know that because I'm not on the fucking hero committee, but like they're the people that are supposed to be looking at all of these nominated works. That should have fucking come up. Like that should have been like a, Hey, here's a big green flag that clearly the Chinese government didn't have a problem with this particular book or author, but they took it off because, you know, they hadn't read the book and the person was Chinese, so they didn't know if they had ever said anything, you know, negative about China. 
Ah, it shows you know? ridiculous lack of research capacity by these goobers. Because, yeah, yeah, you point out that, but one of the other things is, like, they knocked a guy off because they erroneously said that he'd been to Tibet. <laughs> and he was like, no, it's right. Nepal. You know, I can see how they look fairly similar, being, you know, mountainous regions and all. But also, somebody who actually did go to Tibet, Ursula Vernon, was just fine. Right. And... and- Ursula not only visited Tibet, but posted about it widely on Twitter and posted photographs and so did her friends that she went with. Like, that was not secret information. That was like, like right out there, you know, and that didn't disqualify her. And and it wasn't a race thing because as far as I know, the other guy was white. He wasn't Chinese either. Mm -hmm. So, you know, but some consequences have started to happen first of all a person that was on that committee uh leaked the emails to a fan who is also a reporter um file 770 yeah they're they're the ones who posted it but it was um two fans it was jason sanford and sorry i don't have the the other author's name off the top of my head right now but if you go to the the, you know we'll post the link in the show notes like the full thing is there i wasn't gonna say debunking i was gonna say like it just uh Whatever you do, when you unpack it all, you post it basically. So that started. They they got all they got this email chain, uh, and they started to reach out to people. And one of the people that was on this list was is was the head of the 2024 convention's Hugo administration. So he stepped down or was pushed out by the people running the 2024 organization. But that came to light because it was like. Fuck, you know, you, you, you've helped fuck this up in a pretty big way. The other thing is uh, the guy, Dave McCarty, who was the head of the, the Hugo organizing committee for 2023 was not being a real fucking douchebag. Um, the post is gone now, but there had been a big post about this on Facebook where everyone was, was asking questions, right? And including Neil fucking Gaiman, you know, actual big time fucking authors were up this guy's ass. And he was just, he was being really curt and snotty and saying, like, you know, answering without answering, being like, oh, we made these not eligible according to the Constitution. And they're like, what part of the Constitution? And like, he wouldn't elaborate. Well, like, he's been kicked out of the, um, the org. There's like the trademark board above the whole thing like he was part of that they have censured him which is broadly speaking an organization publicly saying no you you have fucked up you've made us look bad you've tarnished the image of the organization and the awards and uh bye and so he's gone another guy that was on that committee is gone and like more is coming out that's new shit that just happened like today or yesterday that yeah. has happened since the original report. And I expect more shit to eventually come out because we're very much in, in the uh, finding out phase now, you know, and that's going to be a while. The 2024 convention is in Glasgow and the Glasgow committee is already, you know, shit and a few people that were involved with this and have also said, you know, we are going to absolutely make sure that all of our stuff is transparent we're gonna but the other thing this group did is they didn't they always post the numbers like how the votes went you know you can see if you were on the long list or you know how far away you were from actually winning or whatever you know it's a big breakdown if you're a statistic nerd or you had a nominated work you might be interested in this stuff normally they post it like a week or two after the convention because they have it all it's all electronic it's right there yeah this group, though, waited until fucking January when the con was in uh, October. It, they basically waited until the last possible minute to publicly release this. Oh, and get this. All the original ballots, that data has been destroyed. And all of the vote tallying and computation was done in a black box software that is written by Dave McCarty, the guy in charge of the Hugo administration team. That's not shady at all. It, 
it's proprietary. It's not open source. It's not posted. Other people that have, that have written their own software for doing this the years they were involved have put their shit out on GitHub and have been like super open about it and stuff like that. But yeah, this is just like as locked down as possible. And, you know, that's why a big part of this is, is shit we'll never know, you know, what really happened in some cases. But uh, the, Gla- the Glasgow Con has been, has proactively been like, we're not going to let this shit happen <laughs> at our con. But there's uh, there's a couple people pushing for major changes because the way this has always worked, the Hugo Awards themselves and the World Science Fiction Convention are interlinked. They're always, well, this year's committee is going to be handled by this year's con. It's two separate committees, but it, it always moves from place to place and has different people in charge, just like the convention itself does. And there is a push now to decouple officially the awards from the convention so that you don't like, so the awards will just be the awards. So they won't be subject to any political or legal considerations for works for years where the convention is in a place where things, you know, might be an issue. Yeah. You know, and uh, one of the things people pointed out is like, you know, if, if we have Worldcon in Florida, who's to say how draconian their bills are going to get with any queer-related work, right? You know, and people could be like, well, we, we can't have this queer trans novel on the best novel list because we're doing it in Florida this year. You know, if people are looking at it like that, like, like shit could happen, you know, because like part, you know, people are like, well, you know, you had it in China. And it's like, well, you know, that's why we're changing this, this. censorship and it's censorship. And specifically it's fucked up that it is censorship by the Western based members of the committee, you know, not by anyone involved on the Chinese side. It's very xenophobic, you know, it's sort of xenophobia forward thinking of like, oh, well, you know what they're like, they'll have a problem with this. So we should take this out. Like, maybe run that by the fucking Chinese people that are on your team that you're not talking to before actually doing that. Like, the fact that it seems like it was all very one-sided is, is very fucked up. Yeah. There's, there's, I think there's a lot of Western superiority thinking. You know, we know what's best. This will be a problem. And, you know, not bothering or specifically excluding the rest of the team. So, yeah, it's, it's a very bad situation. Nobody feels good about it. You know, the nominees and winners of the Hugo Awards don't. Let me just share this anecdote. This is something Ursula shared on Blue Sky today. You know, she's like, to all those people telling me that I should do something dramatic or make a statement with my Hugo rocket, you know, the actual award. Well, I don't have it because guess who is in charge for shipping those out to people? Dave McCarty. Uh. The same fucking guy. So, you know, she won this award in October. She doesn't have it. But also, it is pretty fucked up that people are apparently messaging the nominees or winners of the awards being like, well, you should fucking do something, you know? And it's like... The fuck can they do? Like what? You know, yeah. there's no way to find out who really would have won, you know? You know, the situation's fucked. There's not really anything they could do to fix it. They could just hopefully put changes in place so that it never happens again. Yeah. But, uh... Cause... But, yeah, but that's just, just pretty top-down fucked up. Uh, you know, and there's people like, oh, well, you know, I don't trust the Hugo Awards anymore. And it's like, they've been going for 71 years. They've had their ups and downs. There are years when there are issues. They've weathered storms before. They'll figure it out. They'll be fine. But it is kind of funny where, like, on the furry side, you occasionally will see people be like, oh, I don't trust the Ursa Major Awards. They're rigged, or they're just a popularity contest, or they don't really matter. And it's just sort of like, buddy, look outside the small window of the fandom and the the worldwide mainstream science fiction fantasy like we ain't got shit on the drama 
that goes on in publishing outside of our little bubble. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's been lots of stuff recently about, like, there is that one woman who was going around leaving review bombs on Goodreads. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so it was like four, four debut authors, you know, one of them white. She got the absolute fucking sweetheart deal. The thing that everyone who says, I want to be a writer for a living thinks is going to happen, but actually 0.01% of the time does where it was like, it was optioned for a TV show. She got that advance, got all this buzz. This is a debut author. You know, it was going to be huge. But that wasn't enough because she had anxiety. So she decided to start making all of these, you know, one star reviews on her fellow debut authors, other authors that had first book coming out in the same time that she did. Because I guess she thought of it as a threat or competing for, you know, the attention or the dollar. And you know what? Just coincidentally, all of those other authors were people of color. Yep. And it's like, you know, and she's trying to say that she had a mental breakdown or that she had anxiety. And it's like, well, it's funny that your anxiety magically made you racist. Like, that seems to be like a very targeted mental breakdown, you know? Yeah. And yeah, this was this was a white lady. It's like a 30-something-year-old white lady. And it's sort of like, I'm sorry, you... You targeted minorities of multiple fake Goodreads accounts and posted one star reviews on on their upcoming books. And yeah, it's like, like you're you're posting reviews for, on for shit no that's reason, not out your yet. Book is a, yeah, well, you get art copies, like advanced reader copies and stuff like that. So a lot of them will have some reviews before they come out. But it's like, but she did this, and she didn't even have to like. The big five publishers, they pick the winners. You know, the book's going to be a hit. They make it a hit. They know about it. Her book was going to be a hit. It was going to be a success. You didn't have to do any of this, but she did anyway. And now she's fucked. You know, her career is over, basically. Like, before um, it even got started, it's insane how people can be yeah, so self-destructive. Yeah. We talk about stuff outside the fandom, too. Uh, here, just yesterday, I believe, let me find it real quick. Akon. Akon is breaking its streak of being the longest running continuous anime convention in the US because they're out of money. Oh, I have not heard this. I knew they had they had changed hands. The organization had been sold to an individual a few years ago and then they had that couple of years in Fair Park. And then what it was they were already at the Dallas Convention Center one year or the Irving Convention so, Center or something like that. Like a brief timeline of this. So like they'd previously been at the Anatole and the yeah. basically the damages kept getting too much and the hotel basically kicked them out. So they had to go to Fort Worth yeah. for a couple of years and they were at the Fort Worth Convention Center for a couple of years and they got just fucked by both the city because, you know, you, you have no choice. So we're going to really get you on the prices and people don't want to come to Fort Worth because there's no public transit to get to there and the parking situation wasn't great. So they just got fucked. They, they lost money. People got injured in the uh, water gardens, like spectacularly so. Oh. Like dumb motherfuckers mm. in cosplay decided to climb to the very top of the the hill there and fell off. Uh, stuff like right. that. Okay. So mm-hmm. that that really ended it for the prior owners, the people that I'd worked with. So they went to Prairie Park for a couple of years, but then they got handed over. This is after they got bought. They actually had landed the Irving Convention Center, you know, the big metal sand crawler, and then the Toyota Music Factory, which is in that same little area. And they ran mm-hmm. one year there. And then okay. I guess something has happened because people I asked around said that they've known about this issue for about six months. And they're oh. pulling the plug on Acon, 20, Acon 33, you know, 2024, within, well, let's see. Yeah, 2024 updates coming soon, it says on their uh, new Twitter handle. Yeah. But Those are usually Labor Day, aren't they? Yeah, uh, it was in, yeah, it was in like early June. So Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was always like right before Anthrocon. Okay. So whoa, we're on a really constricted time frame here then. 
So we're like four months out from when this con would normally be happening. And for those of us who've worked with conventions, that's that's a lot of money that you're going to owe and yeah, to quote-unquote postpone. And I, you know, the post is like, we know you've been eagerly awaiting news for Acon 33 and we sincerely apologize for the long stretch of silence. Pandemic and challenges, we've staffed volunteers, we've changed hands. At the same time, a board of investors was formed during the pandemic to help keep us financially afloat. Unfortunately, not only has our board of investors run into their own funding delays, the subsidies promised from the state to cover certain expenses have also been delayed. Waiting for this funding has put us in a tight spot, and we've been expecting it to come any day now for several months. Until it arrives, we're unable to honor our agreements with our venues, reboot our website, sign talent, and move forward with planning the con. So, at least they didn't have, like, talent on the hook. But this right. is... This is catastrophic. Like, Akon mm-hmm. is fucking huge. Like, it's been a staple. This is Akon 33. I've been attending Akon yeah. since I was, like, 16. That's where I met Shiva. That's where I met Guardian back in the day. Back when it was small enough to be at the hotel, at the airport Hyatt. Right. I met Peter Mayhew there. Uh, the guy who did Chewbacca. Because oh, he yeah. was local, it turns out. He was in Texas and would just show up. For cheap, so yeah, he he went there like every year, I think. Yep, I've seen him there a couple of times at the table. So it really sucks because I know people involved in that. I know it's been a labor of love for many, many, many years for people. But like, since it yeah. changed hands and has shifted and bounced around the local metroplex, like they're literally like they're the con that's gotten too big for this area. Like, there's no other venue mm-hmm. that is large enough and suited to like a fandom community because Dallas convention center would be fine if there had been hotels built downs down, but the Omni doesn't have enough room. The Sheridan, the Fiesta's at was not big enough, uh, past a certain point. It only houses around 10,000 people before it gets asked to ask. And that con was way bigger than that. When I attended that hotel. And so like, there's really no, no place to go. Once you get past a certain size, this area's got you by the balls because Anatole's not going to take cons anymore. They learned their lesson. And past that, there's like the Gaylord, which is a high-end resort hotel, which nobody's going to be able to afford that shit. So that's just off the table. Um, Even if they could, would it even be big enough? Probably not. I don't – yeah, I don't know how much, like, event space it has. Um, there's that new hotel complex that opened by the sports stadiums in Arlington. But even mm. then, I don't know if that would be big enough. There's just not venues suited for things that large here. Like once you Yeah, there's, crossed... like, a gap. You get to, like, 10, 15,000, and then there's, like, a big jump to, like, 30,000. But if you're in that in-between area, it's, like... It's really difficult to find venue space that's not going to, you know, destroy your finances. It's wild. And that's, it's, that's crazy. I had not heard that. Yeah. I mean, I know it because I, well, it, one, it was posted on Twitter, but it was shared by somebody who is on that investor board with me going, yo, oh. check this out. Like, ah, uh, oh no. Like, it's deeply unfortunate because, like I said, I'd, attended that convention many years i know a lot of people i made a lot of connections through that spot but getting delayed like that is just that's not good for the future and the the goofiest thing is there's people in the replies that were like oh no now this will you know get anime expo the longest running thing oh no like that's that's a stupid thing to be like dick wavy about but also because they're like anime expo started like the year after and if Akon doesn't happen. Oh, I they happen. Over that neck and neck. Yeah. yeah, but it's just weird because like yeah. a West Coast convention, you know, the side closest to Japan, uh, didn't have a large scale convention until after Akon got started in Texas. I mean, it's continuously running. I'm sure there may have been conventions prior, but Akon is the longest running. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So, speaking of though, animation connoisseurs, um, there was some very mm-hmm. sad news about Sai Sable. Here recently, um, and there is a GoFundMe. Oh, yeah. So, Sai Sable, Prancing Skill Tear, you know, one of the founders of the fandom, Mark Merlino. Mark Merlino, yeah. right? He 
founded Conference Zero way back in the day. Um, you know, he was hosting animation clubs. There was photos of him meeting uh, Tezuka and being like, oh, yeah, you know, show, showing him this furry artwork in like the late 70s and or early 80s or whatever. And it's this it's this really cool bit of furry history. Like I got to uh, he came to FC last year. Not not this year, but in 2023, and you know was gave a talk about how he's you know still a fandom, all this other stuff. But unfortunately, the man had a stroke, and he survived it. Thank God for that, right? And then they found out he has like stage four liver cancer, and it's just like okay, well, poor guy's going. He survived a stroke only to find out that he's getting eaten up by cancer and has not very long to live. So there is a GoFundMe for the guy to help handle the end-of-life costs care costs and you know funeral arrangements and whatnot because i mean these guys have been around for fucking ever and they were they were still hosting events like up until this mm-hmm. happened yep. and you know i wouldn't say that you know, they they had a good good chance of part of being the reason why we're even here right like they helped right, make yeah. furry into a less disparate online selection of weirdos to an in-person selection of weirdos that got spread out and be an online section of weirdos right it's super fucking sad but let me pull it up on blue sky because ash coyote has been has posted about it and there's this incredibly sad photo that looks like oh god i've i've seen people look like that it's not good um yeah thankfully um, this was started on the seventh. Uh, they set a goal of fifty-two thousand, and they're past that fifty-six thousand nine sixty-eight. So, right? Yeah, we, I mean, we—it's end of life care at this point, you know, and we want them to be taken care of. They're paying for uh, home health care nurses to come in uh, and take care of them, things like that, and uh, you know that that does add up fairly yeah. quickly. Um, and you know, and I would know because when my dad was living with me and having home health care, like we would get the statements from his insurance and being like, because he has Medicare and gap coverage that like, yeah, this, this year you had $110,000 in medical costs and you paid 500 or whatever, because right. like yeah. they have, they have insurance, they have Medicaid and this gap insurance that, is, that they cover. It's just, it's insanely expensive. But yeah, well, my mom passed before she was old enough to have Medicaid. So she had like really basic insurance from the low paying daycare center that she worked at. Uh-huh. And so, you know, I paid, you know, out of pocket for some of her home health care. And yeah, that uh, it, it is expensive. Um, you know, she had home health nurses for like two or three days a week for a while uh, before she ended up in hospital. So. You know, we don't want his family to be stuck with a shitload of bills, and we want to be able to keep that care coming. And at that point in your life, your friends and family would just want you to be comfortable. Yeah. You know, hopefully, you know, not be in pain, uh, be the people that you love, be able to say goodbye, and, you know, hopefully pass easily. Yeah. And, and- uh, Obviously, this shit hits me pretty hard because, you know, my own background, right? So it's like looking at this shit, it's like, oh, this makes me so fucking sad. But it's good. We're at that point. The fandom is at that point where, you know, we literally have fandom elders (laughs) and they're in their 70s. You know, we we lost Fred Patton several years ago and he was a contemporary of Cy Sable. Um, They're in the same... Los Angeles cartoon and science fantasy organization, things like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's, there's the, we're at the point where the oldest, gen, the earliest generation of furries are, are all elderly now and are, you know, having health issues and this sucks, but it's something that is, is going to keep happening. Ooh, what? Look, I got mail. I got a package. What exciting thing is it, Saverin? Oh, what is it? It is bounce dryer sheets. Oh, boy. Oh, it it already smells nice outside of the thing. Okay, I was like, oh, is it something packaged? (sighs) Taking a a huff of the old dryer sheets. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. That should be number 12. Fucking fresh, yo. 
that's a something we can definitely yeah. call to action. You know, if you have can drop some money their way, uh, help them out because healthcare is fucking expensive. As for one cool thing, I'm really enjoying uh, Grand Blue Fantasy Relink. That's a video game that came out. It's very pretty. Um, it's like, hey, look, here's an accessible way to get into Grand Blue Fantasy, considering that the Japanese gacha game is 10 years old at this point, and it's a gacha game, oh. so it requires money to play uh, if you want to, you know, grind faster and whatever. So there's all these characters and all this art, and it's very pretty and very well produced, but you can't really see it as a Westerner. But then with the expansion into having a fighting game and now an action RPG, it's made it very accessible and it's a surprising hit for the company. I mean, I'm enjoying it because, again, art's very pretty, music good, you know, and it's also a <laughs> you game... You should be a video game reviewer. Art pretty, music good, five star. Well, I mean, it's been something that I've I only know, been I'm able to confused. engage with at a distance because you can't play the game easily. You can be like, that art's right, really yeah. pretty and boy, that... That guy is really gay. <laughs> like, you you saw, or you might have seen my post to Blue Sky as, like, this one character, Vane, like, within five seconds of reading his backstory that's included as part of the game, I was like, oh, this guy is gay as hell. And then I looked him up, and there is a couple unit where it's, like, the two characters. Vane is super hard crushing on this other character, Lancelot. And mm -hmm. the the summer illustration for these two is them, like, playing grab-ass in the surf together. And I'm like, ah, they're good friends. Aww. It's very cute. <laughs> like, they're roommates. <laughs> yes. They kind of cater to everybody. Like, they've got the big titty anime ladies. They've got the big buff anime men. they got the cute Twinkie anime men. They have the pansexual demons from hell who will fuck everybody. Um, you know, it's... Awesome. It's a land of contrasts. Um, <laughs> because, you know, there's some of these gotcha games that are just like, all right, well, we're going to, you know, for the people that like their big titty high schoolers, but this is a game mm -hmm. that's been going long enough that they've got a little bit of, for everybody, beefcake older men and the like. like I'll, I'll... I don't remember if it was you that, that reposted it on Blue Sky or somebody else, but it, I saw this thing today about um, uh, the meme where the guy was like, I'm going to play Baldur's Gate 3. And there was like an embedded screenshot of a guy talking about if you like homosexual propaganda, then you're going to be smacked in the face with it with the first two hours of the game or something like that. And and, and they were like, stop, stop. You don't have to sell it to me. Yeah. All right. So look at the I put the message into the chat that Ajax and I and you and I have like that's just uh -huh. the image. That's one of the images of the four. It's like, yes, oh, completely heterosexual. And it's like yeah. the captain that everyone wants to be and the vice captain who supports him have a relationship that extends beyond friendship. As knights, they strive to become more powerful with each day. They were roommates. But yes, Lancelot <laughs> and Vane, shirtless pretty boys, shirtless pretty boys on the beach, shirtless pretty boys playing grab ass on the water together looking happy and gay. Like, if they'd thrown a well, rainbow like, in the background... Every image, every image in this series is just is gay. Gay. More gay. All the gay. We gotta make it gayer. But, yeah. So I guess my one cool thing uh, this week is that uh, uh, yesterday I received my copy of Ursula Vernon's new book, What Feasts at Night. Fantastic. Um, which uh, is the is a follow-up the other book whose name I've completely forgotten, but it has the same what something at some <laughs> Nettle and Bone, maybe? No, no not Nettle and Bone. It's the, oh, What Moves the Dead. Okay. What Moves the Dead was the first one, right? Which was a retelling of uh, Followed House of Usher by Edgar Allan Poe. Main character is non-binary, so it has, uh, has a little queer element there. Um, this is part of our horror series, but yeah, it's called What Feasts at Night. Uh, the main character, Alex Easton, has uh, just gotten back to their home country of Galatia, which uh, sounds pretty miserable. And uh, they go to stay in the hunting lodge that they inherited from their father. And um, it's a disrepair. And the townspeople are acting kind of cagey. And this is all I've gotten so far. Like, I've only read, I'm like two chapters in. Um, but it promises to be spoopy. Ooh. 
that's good. And the cover is very cool. So you know, if you if you like um, her work under uh, her T Kingfisher name, check that out. I didn't publish this, by the way. This is not a self serving endorsement. It's just that I I I do like to read her books. Yeah, so. she she publishes a lot. She has of books. like five public. She has like five publishers or something. It's crazy. <laughs> Very cool. But I think we'll uh, we'll wrap it up here. We're already an hour and twenty minutes on Marah. It is eight thirty-one p.m. So I don't even know how long it actually is. I'm just fucking waiting. Well, it's an hour I'm fifteen. I'm going to Saverns. Yeah, I was close. I'm going to take Saverns lines. Uh, you know that's fine. You know we're we we've got a, a good show together. <laughs> I think today. Um, and now yeah. we're just going to wrap it up. Hopefully, we'll be able to record in person together again soon. But given the fact that she was been sick, you were sick, I was dealing with stuff, we don't need to share it. But we did want to record something right. because it's been a little bit, right? You know, yeah, we like to record to, like, in person. And I can literally see you because we're, we're, we have video on for this. Yeah. <laughs> well, as you said, you know, the animal is sad. This is his friends. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I, I haven't been able to see my friends for a couple of weeks because of various things. And like with Shiva's house being sick, I'm, I'm behind on my purchasing for Fiesta. Like I still have, right. I've got PlayStations five right behind me here that are still in their box for the past two weeks because I haven't gotten the credit to get any software on them. So All right. I have yeah. to get together with her on that and do it pretty soon because Fiesta is coming up very quickly. Oh God. You need some enrichment in your enclosure. Yes. Thankfully, even if we have to spread it out a couple days, like the actual task of getting the software on the PS5s is like get the codes and you start the downloads and it runs, you know, while I do other mm-hmm. things. So it's not a big deal. But it's just like yeah, because can, we've all been trading it, sickness, it. it's like ah Yeah. Anyways, yeah. so patreon.com slash South Podcast. We're still there. If you want to give us some money, yay. Go to the show notes for the Telegram fan chat. Still there. Like if if you're missing getting to interact with Shiva and I or getting to talk up topics or share furry porn, well, I mean, you just come to the Telegram fan chat. Other than that, you can just go to forplanet.com, buy some books, 